All right, so highlights of Q3. Have I done this in order? No, I have not. I have I written down the actual dates that these things happened? Also, no. But because I, I uh, am Riley's the, normal um, brain. <laughs> because I am, I am the the reader of things on this on this podcast. I am the the organizing force. I'm the light in the darkness. I've gone Jordan Peterson on these chaos dragons. Um, I've done what I usually do, and I have clipped short readings from all of my highlights of the news uh q3 uh so q3 what's that it's july to it's it's the start of july to the end of september damn summer the, <laughs> the fucking season nice. it's, it's, it's a it's a get it's a getting it's a getting ass ass season um it's also a small audi suv available from your local audi dealer <laughs> <laughs> so my, the first they said the i'd get a free event. audi if i said that <laughs> Everyone go to Akko Tell Akko <laughs> that Riley sent you They'll give you something for free I bet It's on Broadway Market you. it's very good <laughs> Okay So I have a, a selection uh, From Vice actually uh, By friend of the show Angus Harrison As go- At gone 6pm The temperature was still 25 degrees outside And inside the bar Full of hundreds of jostling bodies The air was thick the DJ, obscured by a cocoon of heavy-duty cling film, presumably to protect him from flying drinks, methodically worked through tunes from Anton Deck's We're on the Ball to Neil Diamond's Sweet Caroline, each enjoying a bigger response than the last. The crowd, all under 30, draining massive two-pint plastic cups of lager, almost entirely decked out in England's new pre-match training top, were fizzing. Then three lions, the new national anthem dropped, and the place erupted. Oh, man. That was really nice. I was just, I was just like enjoying that. I want you to continue reading that. <laughs> <laughs> this is now an Angus Harrison reading article. Yeah. That oh, wait, was... Is this one of those far right American articles and the song is the three lions of Islam? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, everyone loved singing the theme song for the movie Four Lions. Uh, no, it, this was football coming home, which was like weird. Well, the entire time I've lived in Britain was genuinely one of the high points of me being here. Oh, it was a great time. Because I came immediately home after Russia thought football was coming home and then got to experience it all over again in Britain. But the whole experience, I find, was like just, in addition to it being probably one of the high points of, of, living, of living here, um, it also was this uniquely British experience because there was this kind of sort of frantic febrile energy around a completely symbolic victory that wasn't going to touch anyone's lives, but that sort of just felt very important. And that for a second, there was something that was going on and it was happening constantly every day with new updates all the time with its own cast of characters. Like it's the, it's the opposite of looking at the Tory government, basically where it's something that makes us feel good about. (laughs) 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 It's something that makes us feel good about ourselves. It's something that basically makes people not hate one another. And it seems to be like, and, and it, yeah, and you can love its cast of characters. And it actually thought that we were going to go to have something good happen to us. But then in true British fashion, of course, we, we got knocked out by Croats. Yeah. But the whole vibe was like just fucking good. And like, because I remember they did that sort of promo video for like the squad's been released. And it was like with all these like kids in like Sunderland. And then it zoomed to like some girls playing football in like. I don't know, fucking like Somerset or whatever. And then it went to like a disabled kid in like a youth center or whatever. 
and like and like it was like just like ethnically diverse or whatever and like i don't know i just felt like the sort of vibe of the england squad not to sort of like recuperate nationalism for liberalism which i don't believe in but like the whole vibe was just like really really nice and just like oh yeah this is like a good place and we should totally win yeah and 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 the, and the thing and the other thing like we just again this is also so super english we allowed ourselves to be completely deluded by inconsequential victories early on yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah we fucking beat panama, <laughs> yeah, fuck you, panama. <laughs> well i mean i mean it's nice to be able to see a thing like that that's not also a far-right rally yeah. You know, like uh, it's rare. I, I've only lived here four months, and I like I, I've made the joke before that before I came to London as an extremely mature adult, the only time I'd been here was to be in Norwich for like a day when I was a kid. But like seeing that many people supporting England when it wasn't also like let's kick the Pakistanis out, like it was just it was a thing that was completely removed remember, from that. I remember yeah. like one World Cup. That's just cricket. Where <laughs> I, 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 I remember like one World Cup where England did like very very badly, and I think it was it was in the early two thousands. Um, and I was working in my dad's store and like some customer, like it was half time and like everyone knew that England was coming out and this customer came in and was just like, just cause they aren't English, they aren't English, they have no loyalty to this country, they're not English. But it's like, and then, so it goes into two strands. One is that they're not English and therefore they don't love their country enough to play well. And the second one's that they love money so much, but they would rather play well for their like premiership football team than for the England national team. Um, both of which are like stupid and like abysmal arguments, but I just remember that very vividly being quite, mm. you know, uh, just like evident when they played really badly. So like this year, I didn't really hear much of that. Yeah. Um. Even even after the loss, I didn't really hear like too stuff that was like too bad. I was in a South London pub and there were like a load of Millwall fans and they were singing songs about Churchill. Oh, good. That was kind of Normal. a low point. But good. yeah, it was oh, a bit the insurance dog. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he used to sponsor. I the love that guy, Noel. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. And then I got in a really like intense conversation with one of them, who was like mixed race, but <laughs> who was e- extremely racist, and it was quite weird. Yeah. And like he had a lot of basically He's his own worst enemy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like no, it was fucked. Yeah, I oh, mean, one fuck. of the things I remember I, I, about this whole this whole experience, I wanted to start it off nicely. Was in addition to just it like the heat kind of driving everyone crazy um we did it there was this feeling in throughout london where like people were people for, for better or for worse like i hate everyone so this is a mixed bag for me but people were talking to one another people were like there was this weird sort of air of friendliness that just sort of happened for a couple of weeks and you could just be suffused in sort of a a nice feeling like uh like i think that the mitchell and webb show sort of summed it up best a nice British feeling is basically like sinking into a tub of warm cream. <laughs> you could you could make eye contact with someone on the district line and then do a benzo off them in a public toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that was my my first thing, football coming home. Uh, and of course it didn't. And we all got back to reality after that like blissful period, but uh, it was coming home. Um oh actually well, before we move on, I I do want to also the real point football out was like, the friends we made along the way. <laughs> well, I also want to point out that, like, um, the 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 horrifying rate, like the just awful uh, vilification of Raheem Sterling by by like the Sun versus Harry Kane, where they were like, "Oh, he bought his mom a house and he's marrying his sweetie, and he doesn't have a tattoo on a, of a gun in his leg, and then they and he's white." And wait, no, we didn't mean to say that last bit. You know, where yeah, it's, sub that bit out. <laughs> where it's like it's you could just 
all like lurking under the surface of that's why it made it so interesting was lurking under the surface of all this sort of positivity was this these nasty streaks but i think yeah i agree but i also think maybe that's like one of the differences between this world cup and like previous ones as well like this world cup took place this might be fucking pretentious but like in an era of social media so it's not just like absurd tabloid like we're definitely going to win and also we're a bit racist it was like it took place in a slightly different world where like you can push back on that and basically when raheem sterling was getting shit like the whole of social media was like fuck the sun and fuck you and like as they rightly should have yeah exactly the only response to the sun yeah i also just want to say one thing about the world cup if we're doing because this is obviously to do with like end of the year it's also like the end of my youth basically the world cup because it's the last world cup that's not gonna fucking suck before i'm 37 six or something because the next world cup is in qatar in the winter so that's just gonna fully not be good and it's, it's not going to have the same vibe. It's not going to be like a beautiful, glorious summer. You can drink endless lager and enjoy the football. It's going to be like, okay, it's like, is it just done with Christmas? And now it's the World Cup. <laughs> so the next World Cup that's actually good will be in eight years time. So for all those, you know, all those tweets about like, oh, this is like, you know, the summer where people are going to write their novel and this like this summer sets the scene. It's like kind of like literally true. And <laughs> it's the last one like that for a while. That's, that's so fucking depressing. Well, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'll be 42. So... I feel you. Damn. I feel you. But also, I just laughing because you know I moved here uh, in August, so I missed that. And I remember asking Milo, I'm like, I, I, I'm new to England in the grand scheme of things. Help me out. When I see a bunch of St. George's crosses, is that football or racism? He's like, oh, it could be one or the other. It's usually the latter, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's how you know not to go into a pub if it's got the St. George's cross. Like, we have Sky. It's like, well, I'm not going in there. Okay. So, my next item on my list. Um, Apple becomes the world's first trillion dollar company. Uh, and my reading from here actually isn't from then. It's from an article by friend of the show, Grace Blakely, that was written this week. Because uh, Apple has now flash crashed, of course. And she says, such are Apple's profits that the company cannot invest all the money it earns. Cash hoarding by global monopolies is part of the explanation for the failing, falling business environment. Apple is also notorious for tax avoidance, which deprives governments of the resources they need to invest. So Apple basically, if we all want to know where all the money is, um, Apple has it. In Ireland? Yeah, Apple has it. Apple has it all. all so they literally it. have too much money to know what to do with it. Yeah, they, they, because they're, they have so much money, they can't profitably invest it all. But they still pay their CEO 251 times more than they pay their average worker. Why don't they just make all their workers right. absurdly wealthy? <laughs> because then they wouldn't be motivated to keep working. Right, right, right. Yeah. Look, Obviously. Apple is working on a huge mattress and they need stuff to fill it with. <laughs> <laughs> well, Apple, Apple, I mean, maybe they could invest in a giant mattress outside the factory where, like, borderline slave conditions lead people to commit suicide. But no, this money has to be kept in a warehouse in Ireland where it can do <laughs> Logan the least Paul good. Logan reporting live from the massive Apple cash mattress <laughs> as it catches people <laughs> who are throwing themselves from the roof due to poor working conditions. Going, wow, bro, this is fucked up. Made me think. That would literally be a more productive and humanitarian use for Apple's giant wadge of cash. If they printed out in hundreds, if they got American hundreds, and they created a giant anti-suicide mattress out of them. But no, they're not doing that. They're just sitting on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but then again, also, we, we saw this in the United States where um, the whole thing with the tax cut. Basically, if companies decide they try to want it, they want to pay their workers more, then like their boards will fire the entire management and get mm -hmm. new people. Like your job is to give us money, not them. Yeah, and it's like, 
yeah, it's trash, but I mean, the system is organized to be trash, which is like the most platitude observation. But watching this happen, like you just said, like your argument, Simon, you could literally give every person who works for Apple a million dollars and it wouldn't make a difference. Yeah. Like they, like they I, well, yeah, if they're a trillion dollar company, I mean, granted, mm-hmm. it's their valuation. It's not the amount of actual yeah. cash they have on hand. They but still, but they, what well, part of the reason they have that absurdly high valuation is because they have so much cash on hand. Yeah. They've, they've, they've got some, some eight, nine figure amounts of money, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Apple workers should unionize and demand massive pay rises, but like they'll be like a, a union of millionaires. That'd be sick. <laughs> That'd be so fucking okay. The, that would be a party at TWT I'd want to go to. <laughs> yeah. the, the fucking union caviar blast. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Riley, don't act like the that other- isn't a party you've already gone to. <laughs> 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 Shut up. <laughs> um, I read the DMs. <laughs> um, and the other thing that I, I, I sort of that reminds me of, right? And we talked about this then, which is like Apple and its sort of compatriots at the top of the tech world, like they comprise like twenty five percent of the S and P five hundred, and finance comprises another fifteen percent. So, and the and in tech, mainly their business model is either Apple hoard cash, um, Amazon sort of pretend like what you're what you're doing is, is building technology when really what you're doing is figuring out how to casualize and pay workers less or um facebook and google which is advertising so but none of these things are actually creating anything or adding any or adding any value to the world more broadly i don't even mean in a moral sense i mean like in a production sense they're not actually making anything they're basically contriving to make it worse yeah and then 15% of the, of the S&P 500 involves lending people money so that they can spend money on like t-shirts that are on ads targeted to them on Facebook. Yeah, it's a really good system. I think. Uh, it's well, so cool. Wait a minute. James Bull has some opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, but, but Riley, how much you can't put a number on the amount of joy that those, yeah, I'm a Sagittarius and I like dog food. So what about it? T-shirts, you know? <laughs> You wouldn't get it. It's, <laughs> you wouldn't get it. It's a pug, a pug loving forklift driver thing. Um, and so that that rules, and that's what's defining our economy going forward. And we should link Grace's article in the description because yeah, it's sure. really good. Um, and it's what's going to cause our next big recession, which I can't wait for in the era of extreme cut to the bone austerity across the world. Yeah, uh, I'm sure it's going to be a really really good thing. Because Apple already has all the money, and that's part of the problem because no one else can spend it, so there's not very much growth. And so. When we have another major recession, what public services are you going to cut? What wages are you going to depress? Like, what is there left? Sorry, that was cheerful. All right. Are we still <laughs> in Q3? Sorry, we are. Sorry. It's all going to be about the gonna, bins. Um, Theresa May held her staff physically hostage at uh, a country house in order to save a Brexit deal that died immediately and was completely unworkable. Oh, yeah. That was so good. And she d- told the drivers not to take them home if they resigned. Yeah. Number 10 has told ministers arriving at Checkers that business cards for local taxi firms are in the foyer so they can make the 40-mile journey back to London (laughs) if they resign and lose the right to use their ministerial cars. Considering they're staking entire political careers on these grand gestures, I don't think a couple hundred pound taxi fee really was going to deter anybody. Or but maybe the social awkwardness might have. I mean, these are British ministers we're talking about. I mean, also just imagine... Also, like, could no one have gotten wind of this ahead of time and just gone in their own car? It's not as though these people don't own their own car. <laughs> Come now, Milo. That would be unseemly. No, they're wealthy. They take trains. <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn, callback. They have their own private train that runs on the road. This <laughs> <laughs> is the Simpsons when Homer's like, how much would this car move me around compared to a train, which I can also afford? <laughs> Very good. 
Oh yeah. So I thought that was that's a little more of a quick hit because like it's just also funny to think back to everyone's checkers this, checkers that. I'm against checkers. I'm resigning over checkers. I and hate President Nixon's me, dog bitch. too. Fuck checkers. <laughs> yeah. And then it went nowhere and was meaningless. Yeah, and then at Tory conference like everyone was wearing like Chuck had like Chuck checkers tote bags and shit. It was like a really sort of galvanizing we all hate Theresa May now moment. Yeah. It kind of united the country in hating Theresa May because <laughs> until that point it was like some Tories liked her. Well, it's like I think Theresa May's um, uh, constituent. Theresa May does still have people that support her in constituencies that up and down the country. It's just they are the centrist MPs that represent those constituencies, and that's basically it. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know, she, does she poll all right? I feel like the Tories are polling surprisingly well. Yeah, well, I don't know about May personally. Well, it's like she, I, she polls, she polls terribly. But like I, the other thing to think of with these polls is that like there are 40% 40% of this country is just committed like reactionaries who are always going to vote for a reactionary party yeah. or they're just not going to vote but in terms of May like personally it's like it's her historic mission her like place in the history books is the person that takes all of this shit basically and like soaks it all up and like this is not my insight I've got to cite uh, Gavin Haynes who writes for Vice but he said she's like you know she's like quite Protestant and like sort of religious and she's like becoming this martyr figure and like possibly loving it and that's how she manages to go on just like failing and everyone hating her every week oh fuck who was this who was the who who was it um she's she's giles corin <laughs> oh, she's, she's, you, she's prime minister giles corin yeah he's you all hate me and it's just making my life better actually fuck you she's giles prime Therese, minister giles Theresa may yeah, of the, looking like massive pupiled <laughs> at checkers filming the ministers walking home down the drive doing an instagram live stream like this fucking this fucking fake people dared to resign from my government look at them <laughs> fucking walking down there yeah those chinese fucks <laughs> i'm gonna go cry at a monument <laughs> Um, so that was that was funny because it just really went to show that like th that no deal the conservative parties makes is going to possibly satisfy anybody because most of their base just wants Theresa May to like nuke Europe for being foreign. Look, um, it sounds like the British government needs a man who can make a deal. <laughs> uh, it'd be amazing that like Donald Trump would go negotiate for us and then somehow the official language of the UK would become French. <laughs> Boris Johnson said that he would be really good at it. Donald Trump comes back and he's just gotten a hand job from the <laughs> <laughs> Um Okay, so here's my next thing. Uh, and here's some good news. Um, Notting Hill Carnival happened, hopefully, to celebrate uh, something else that happened on the same day as Notting Hill Carnival, which is John McCain fucking died. Yes, John McCain died. That was John, a very normal time. <laughs> John McCain died and everybody fell all over themselves, patting, patting him for, for being a wise elder statesman ignoring his myriad political failings but hey i mean whatever it's not so much failings as like bombing the fuck out of people yeah, yeah. yeah well yeah being yeah. being an unrepentant warmonger being scammer uh yeah, yeah yeah financial be, be, criminal being basically having shot himself in the foot within 2008 and being unrepentant about it yeah um Having embraced the far right after losing the primary to Bush in 2000, mm -hmm. basically being a piece of shit. Yeah, and, uh, we it's it's kind of a grand tradition in America that we we when somebody on the right dies, they're just a beloved elder statesman, and when somebody on the left dies, like mm -hmm. every obituary has to mention how 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 much they failed and how how much we're better off without them. Awesome. And it's just it's it, so watching that happen and and seeing the level of vitriol that people managed to work up when any and any time anybody was like, uh, he was pro war all the time. Like, yeah. So I've got some words, uh, some craven, tail between his legs, sniveling words from Barack Obama 
because he gave one of the eulogies at John McCain's funeral. And this is some bootlicking shit. John, John understood, as JFK understood, as Ronald Reagan understood, that part of what makes our country great is that our membership is based not on our bloodline, not on what we look like, or what our last names are. It's not based on where our parents or grandparents came from, or how recently they are alive, but on adherence to a common creed that all of us are created equal, endowed by a creator with certain inalienable rights. And, uh, and that's the speech he gave to the guy who wow. was an unrepentant war criminal who was... Sean McCain was on record basically saying that he hated Vietnamese yeah. people, except he yeah. used the slur to refer to them. He's like, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll hate them for the rest of my life. Uh, he also, during the 2008 election, made a joke about bombing Iran, said Iraq yeah. that we would be in Iraq for 100 years, uh-huh. made Sarah Palin his VP because he thought he was going to own the libs by picking a woman governor. Oh, yeah. Like, everything he did showed a terrible character and terrible judgment. He was nice to the press. Basically, John McCain... As, as John McCain once said... I put the steering column in this Gran Torino myself. It's not for sale. <laughs> like, it sucks that he got tortured in Vietnam. That fucking sucks. Don't get me wrong. But, like, at a certain point, you can't just absolve somebody of all their terrible failings it's because like, a bad thing happened to them. It's like, if you get tortured in Vietnam, that's bad. But it doesn't mean you get to do uh, the savings and loan scandal or you get to advocate for a bunch of other genocidal imperial wars. It just means... it. You know what it means? You should probably get a lot of like veterans benefits, which uh, if I recall correctly, he was not great on. No, and also something I point out too is that John McCain, it, it, it's it's funny to me to watch President Obama go out there and do that, you know, to, like, to do the eulogy. And I realize he probably has to, but like John McCain made it a point to be as big of a, of a, a shithead about, for example, when the US got involved in Libya in 2011 and the, the French and British air forces conducted airstrikes. McCain went on record being like, well, America's leading from the back, but thankfully our allies in Britain and France are leading from the front. Basically <laughs> trying to own Obama with the, the fact that Britain was doing airstrikes from the back. <laughs> and it's just like, I mean, he was a piece of shit to the, to, up until the end. Like he, his, his vote against the repeal of the ACA was solely based on b- trying to, to give a procedural middle finger to Mitch McConnell. Like, yeah. To look at him as some sort of example of American politics, like he's the swamp monster of American right-wing politics. He yeah. absolutely is. And the idea that you'd be like, oh, but back when politics was good, it's like that dude looked at, like you said, savings and loan or like the whole Lee Atwater thing with George H.W. Bush. That's been the Republican Party for forever. And he's been a part yeah. of that. And here, here's the second quote I've got. And this, this, this one's really great. And finally, I'm not going to do the Obama voice for the rest of this. And finally, while John and I disagreed, <laughs> no, it's more of a halting thing. And finally, while John and I disagreed on all kinds of foreign policy issues, we stood together on America's role as one indispensable nation, believing that with great power and great blessings comes great responsibility. He's using a Spider-Man quote to justify bombing everyone. I mean, look, it's better than when uh, Herman Cain quoted the Pokemon movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's still one of the best political moments of all time. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's the thing. And that's that's the one cute, crucial thing here. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, this is the American establishment coming together to give the middle finger to Trump and bring respectability back to politics. But you always have to remember that Donald Trump, in terms of international affairs, has been a way more benign force than either Barack Obama or John McCain would have been or George Bush, who's the worst of them all. Like, yeah, I mean, like there's some things that they've done that are insane and bad. But I mean... I'm saying Trump's better. I'm saying Trump has probably got sure, a lower he, body count. He's, he's he's what he's done is he's basically greenlit a lot more really damaging shit. Where like they're killing more civilians in places like Syria, mm. but Hillary would have probably had us in a war with Iran by now. I mean, like, and Lord knows some of the people that have run or or some of the people like Tom Cotton, if they ever got to power in America, would too. So yeah, I mean, I I, I take your point. Yeah. 
Anyway, um, Tom Cotton, if you're listening, eat our boy pussy. <laughs> Uh, so, as we start Q4, which is going to be uh, a bit more of a Nate doing a speed run, because we all remember it, it's all still in the news, basically, uh, Hussein has to go back to his home planet. Bye, Hussein. Nate? Yeah, so, I mean, I think the biggest thing in Q2 or Q4 was the fact that uh, on October 2nd, just in the beginning of Q4, um, Jamal Khashoggi, a uh, Saudi expatriate dissident journalist living in the United States, went to the Saudi consulate and had probably the worst visit to a consulate ever where he was uh, kidnapped and, de- and dismembered. Uh, and then his government lied very, very incompetently about uh, what they didn't do and then did do sort of, but someone did it, but they didn't authorize it and so on. Um, and it just sort of led to this total, uh, the statement of total impunity on the part of the Saudis where, mm-hmm. where basically there was a moment, I think, where people realized that this was the kind of thing that uh, governments might not have done recently and i mean i agree the fact that happened in turkey is pretty telling but like uh this is it sort of felt like perhaps there's the start of a new era of 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 governments just kind of doing whatever the fuck they want yay yeah so a saudi um, the saudi version of the thick of it where a well-meaning saudi government minister is trying to make an announcement about bin collections outside of primary school while his aides are visibly behind him putting a bin liner that's leaking body parts into the back of a car (laughs) (laughs) all these journalists are like what is that and he's like do not look at them (laughs) so so uh, you guys have comment you guys have commentary on Khashoggi. yeah um how about this? Let's speed run it because it's yeah, yeah, so yeah, we late. Run. Okay, cool. Uh, November 21st, Sentinel Khashoggi, Issa. A bad, bad, bad thing that happened. Should have happened. happened yeah. MBS sucks. Refer to the earlier bit of the episode where we prefigure it. All yeah. right. In November, uh, Sentinelese Islanders killed an American missionary and, Good. and everybody in the world <laughs> learned about the existence of the, the North Sentinel Island uh, and then it went away. Uh, on it, Well, they're still there. Um, <laughs> one, one through... One through eight December, the Gilets Jaunes protests started in France. Wait, now everybody's a Gilets Jaunes and I have, racist. I was gonna, I have, let's, do, let's do very fast reactions to the Sentinelese. Um, I think it's good. Uh, that guy sucked. And uh, he got pincushioned, which is kind of what he was asking for. Uh, it was just a big dumb story. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, don't, don't, don't go Next to don't season go to of Love where... Island on the Sentinel Islands. Now that would be interesting. <laughs> the, the, best, the best take that I, I ever, really that ever saw on the, Sent- on the Sentinelese Islanders was... Uh, was Hassan Piker doing a fake imitation version of Joe Rogan saying, what if the Sentinelese were actually like Wakanda and were super advanced, but they ignored their version of Jordan Peterson. And so feminism got out of control and now they've reverted to being a <laughs> tribe that only uses stone tools. Um, I have a good news article on Gilet Jones that I'm going to try and drag up because about everyone being them. Cause there was a very funny one in Belfast where it's basically like some really like dippy, hippy, like nice occupy types. And then like actual huge racists. Um, yeah, about the everyone's a yellow vest now, there's some quite funny sort of weird contradictions. So this is from the Belfast Telegraph where um, both Occupy types and seemingly like ranting Islamophobes are trying to take that label. So this is, yeah, Belfast Telegraph. The first protest, organized by groups calling themselves Occupy Stormont, Occupy City Hall and Yellow Vest Occupy Belfast. List aims including equal marriage rights, ending fracking and, abol- and abolishing zero hours contracts. And then there's a second protest which promotes itself with the background picture for the group is a young white girl surrounded by figures in burkas with their backs to the camera. It is captioned, Britain 2050, why didn't you stop them, granddad? Another image I was playing Fortnite. Another image shows a figure with a hammer attacking the star and crescent symbol often associated with the Islamic world alongside the words... <laughs> 
alongside the words smash Islam. <laughs> Fuck. Like, That's like a Brexit oh. protest level of literalism. Yeah. It's so like... Wait, wait, wait. Oh, it's nice it's Andrew Lillico, horny for Islam. <laughs> Stop fracking. And the other guys are like, smash Islam. <laughs> oh, we, we have to frack Islam. Yeah. And so, and I suppose like the uh, the final thing, since we're all gilets jaunes now, I'm, I'm wearing a yellow vest at this moment. Um, the final thing is the, the two impending political disasters that we don't know what the resolution is going to be, but we might find out in the next coming weeks. In the US, it's the government shutdown over the wall. and For in, wall. Over just wall. And uh, in Britain, it's the Brexit vote. Because at this point, there's got to be... A, you're running out of time, basically. There has to be an outcome, and yeah. none of them are likely. Yeah, exactly. There's got to be... Something has to happen before March 29th. And correct me if I'm wrong, but there's going to be a deadline coming up with regard to mm-hmm. how long it takes for a general election. Yep. The parliamentary recess mm-hmm. in, in february and then the fact that the eu elections are coming up in may i think yeah and none of this is going to matter because the world's going to be plunged into a gigantic recession by apple well that's it 2019 yeah 2018 <laughs> but in 2019 we're leaving behind all this negativity we're just exactly. living positively well, you know, brexit or no brexit i got rice i got lentils i'll all survive all, it's <laughs> just <laughs> a, another brick in wool <laughs> Who boy, 2018, huh? I feel like that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I feel like White Beto O'Rourke, uh, thinking about 2018. Um, but Simon, I'm going to say thank you so much for coming here for this marathon recording session uh, this, of this fan cast of the news. It's been a real long evening. <laughs> no, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it feels like it took longer to talk about 2018 than 2018 took. Damn, <laughs> damn! It it do be Why? like that though. Um, it's bong one. Also, we have we have a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. I suggest that you do. You can get a second episode for five dollars uh, per month. It's very good. Um, and additionally, Why? you can commodify your descent with the teacher from Little Comrade. Perhaps you can get uh, the your favorite event from twenty eighteen on. You can immortalize it forever on a t shirt. And finally. Uh, thank, no, not finally. Um, and we have a live show coming with Josie Long on the 21st of Thursday uh, at the 21st of Thursday. Thursday. It's been so long. 21st of <laughs> Thursday, the 21st of February at the Star of Kings in King's Cross. The Eventbrite uh, link is in yeah, the description. It's going to be dope. I suggest you buy tickets, yeah. buy tickets early and often. Um, also, before that, and also free, uh, me doing uh, a work in progress of my this year's Edinburgh show, which is all about how the fuck I ended up being a Russian deep state agent, uh, which is going to be on the 31st of, uh, also of Thursday, but of, of January also, <laughs> uh, in at the Seckford, where my comedy night usually runs on Thursday instead of Wednesday. So do come down to that, reserve a ticket online, link will also be in the description. Awesome. And finally, thank you to Ginseng for our theme song. Uh, it's called Here We Go. You can find it on Spotify. It's a very good tune. Mm-hmm.